1: And nervous until Chantel started reading that little resume. Amen. Amen. I'm so I'm so grateful to God to be standing before you. I'm overwhelmed with the emotion because you don't know like I know that I shouldn't be standing. And if I were to sit and embrace that thought any longer, it would be no teaching. I would just have my seat because God has been good. March is, um, you all can have your seats because there's no telling how long I'll talk. March, <laughs> I'm not here to do comedy this time, um, but March is Women's History Month. And when Pastor Keith asked me to, teach in the month of march i started to think on some topics and the holy spirit kind of led me to this ideal of looking back at the stories of women in the bible Um, and not just women who were just any random stories like old testament women but more so women who had encountered jesus and so with that and praying and um, just being in thought and looking through the scriptures, I kind of came up with this theme that you've heard him say, and we've said through the announcements, which is her story for his glory, her story for his glory. And so I'm going to teach from a couple sermons um, from that series, her story for his glory. But I want to say this really quickly before we get started. I don't stand here solely on my own two feet, um, obviously by the grace of God, but also since this march is Women's History Month, I want to just randomly, I didn't know I was going to do this. They don't know I was going to do this, but I want to say this because any opportunity I have to give someone credit publicly, I try to seize that opportunity. But um, as Minister Chantel just said, she is a very dear friend of mine. She is a very dear friend of mine. And I stand here like I said, not only by the grace of God, but also by her, by her prayers. It was, I probably was 21, 22 when I met her and probably around 25, 26, she started to push me to pray. You know, here's the problem when you have friends, you want to do what they want to do. So I'm younger than Minister Chantel. So if she's singing, I'm singing. If she eating chicken, I'm eating it too. I'm just not eating the bone. The one with the bone, just give me the boneless. I don't care if it's not real meat. I don't want the one with the bone. Uh, <laughs> so whatever she did, I wanted to do. And I thank God for that divine re- um, relationship. And I just want to tell you publicly, Chantel, thank you for that introduction. But I love you also dearly. I didn't have to tell you that. But I stand here confidently in God's confidence, not my own strength, because not only of her prayers, but her pushing. Hey, buddy, you need to get your butt on this line. We starting at five. Five? Everybody praying at five in the morning. Um, but she did that. And then also I wanna just give a shout out to Deaconess Cindy, Miss Cindy, um, who also aggressively pushed me to pray. Um and told me <laughs> You can pray. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You just get up there and talk. You don't need to sound like nobody. That's how her voice sounded in my ear. You just get up there and talk to God. I'm like, okay, but I don't have anything to say to him publicly, so I don't know what to do. And they just kept pushing, and they kept pushing with every prayer meeting. I'm like, why am I going through this torture and showing up every time we have something Jesus but I thank God for them I really do if you want to find you some good people and some true friends find someone that'll push you in the things of God because I could have linked up with anyone and I promise you I would not be standing here so thank you all and in the spirit of March being Women's History Month there's some women that do some things Miss Cindy I don't know if she will but (laughs) Pastor Keith Forstitude may never stand here and teach on the stage and in the pulpit, but. It's not always the one you see in front of you. Sometimes there's women behind you that's pushing you and encouraging you. So I don't stand here on my own two feet. I stand with them. Let's go to John four because I'm long winded as pastor Keith say, and I don't have much time. If you're here in a sanctuary, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're here in the sanctuary, I want to encourage you to go ahead and stand. We stand. Yes, probably out of tradition. And it's our custom in the church to stand when the word of God is read, but we stand in reverence because if Joe Biden was to walk in right now, we would stand. If Obama came in, we would stand without having ever told you. Sometimes you'll just stand when um, dignitaries come into the room. And I remember joining Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Shakita. And we had the international president sitting and I was twirling my fingers, doing something. I had my head down. She walked in the room and I tried to stand up so fast, I almost fell back. She said, you okay? It's like I was just trying to show respect. So when you hear the word of God and you hear someone give you the scripture, you should jump up so fast to make sure that you're out of reverence standing for the reading of the word of god listen we're gonna read this first story that we're gonna get into is the woman at the well and we're gonna start at the gospel of john chapter four now bear with me remember the series theme is her story for his glory so that means we have to read the whole story okay so don't y'all be like oh we were standing forever reading 30 scriptures yes you were pastor keith only pastor keith can preach from from two verses and get five points out of it i can't do that i gotta read the whole story okay um, also, I don't want to take for granted that someone may not know the story. We don't want to assume that. So we're going to read John chapter four. We're going to start at chapter three. We're going to go all the way to 30 and then we're going to skip 39 to 41. If you're tuned in, someone pin that and put that in the comments. Maybe Chloe in the back. I knew part of our new social media team, John chapter four, verse three. And it, I'm going to read from the new King James version real quickly before I, two things. I'm sorry. Two things. One, let me give honor to my husband, who is the pastor of this house, as we all know. It's a funny thing, women. Be careful, because you never know who your pastor may end up being. It's a funny thing. I never expected him to be my pastor, but I promise you, I'm so glad. I know that I'm in good hands. If don't anybody know that in this church, I know that I'm in good hands with a good shepherd, with a good heart. So um, we give honor to you, Pastor Keith, and let me pray. No, we'll read, and then we'll pray. I don't teach often, so I don't know all the rules. John chapter four, verse three, he left Judea, and this is Jesus, okay? I'm reading from the new King James version. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey, set thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. That's biblical times and our times that will be about midday. Okay, that's about noon and a woman of Samaria came to draw water Jesus said to her give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food then the woman of Samaria said to him how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And then the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said i have no husband and jesus said to her you have well said i have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband and that you spoke truly and the woman said to him sir i perceive that you're a prophet our fathers worshiped on this mountain and jews say that in jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship and jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for. Salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him. Famous verse here, verse 24, and God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Then the woman sounds like sarcasm here to me, said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called the christ and when he comes he will tell us all things and jesus said to her i who speak to you am he and at that point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman yet no one said what do you seek or what are you talking why are you talking with her i love that it's like his homeboys came back and called him it's like don't say nothing don't say nothing we're not gonna say nothing no one no one would even ask him why are you talking with her Verse 28, and the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Last verse, then they went out of the city and came to him. Now let's skip down to verse 39 and we'll end at 41. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, last verse, and many more believed because of his own word. Amen. You may have your seats. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, how we thank you. How we honor you. You and I both know, oh God, that I don't deserve to have this microphone in my hand. But yet you've navigated my path this way. It's you who lead me down paths of righteousness for your namesake. And so I ask now that, God, you be glorified. Thank you for the time of study. Thank you for the revelations. But you speak. Let your Holy Spirit arise within me and speak. And I pray for every listening ear, as Minister Chantel has said. I plead with you again the same very prayer that she prayed that it won't fall on deaf ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 12 years I've been married to Pastor Keith, right? 12 years. And we're at the point in our relationship where I finally realized I'm going to confide something into him, to him that I've never told him before. Never told him in 12 years. This feeling that I've had. I've had it multiple times in the years that we've been married. But I never told him because I want... I don't know. I don't know why I didn't tell him, but I didn't tell him. Okay. And so I finally muster up the strength and say, you know, I'm going to confide this and share this with him because we're being open. We're at 12 years, Sam. And when you get to 12 years, you say stuff. Just because like you don't have to hide anything when you're dating in your first year or two, you're kind of reserved. You know, you try to spare their feelings like, for instance, we sit on the couch now. And if Keith put his arm behind me, it's too hot. You need to move your arm. Don't really care if you're trying to cuddle, it's hot. Move. We're out in public or we're taking pictures and sometimes people think we're arguing. But he'll put his hand to give me a hug. And then, you know, y'all know I wear wigs and the wig is slipping. I'm like, get your hand off the wig. What are you doing? You know, I didn't do that at year one and two. I just burn alive, sitting there hot, trying to cuddle and be cute. But you know, it's year 12. So now I just speak the truth. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna just tell you. And so in the spirit of us reaching a 12 year mark, I decided I would just start being blood raw with him. I would just say how I felt. And so here's what I confided in him. Nothing deep, but I came home from work one day and I was in the kitchen and I was a little nervous because if anyone knows me, Chantel, real close, you know that I kind of struggle sometimes with this being vulnerable, right? And I said to him, I said, sometimes when I'm driving, don't laugh y'all okay (laughs) because I'm serious I said sometimes when I'm driving home from work I want to just keep going like I don't I don't want to get off the exit I just want to keep going now to my surprise he bust out laughing and that killed me because I'm like no 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 this I'm not being funny I'm being for real I'm being serious I'm being open I'm being raw with you sometimes I just I just want to keep going. I don't don't know where I'm going. There's no destination, Andre. I just want to keep driving. I don't feel like being bothered. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want nobody texting me. I don't want to think about dinner. I just want to keep going and so i don't know about you but life has a way of doing that to us i'm not saying nothing is majorly wrong but it has a way of like just nibbling at you where you're just like man i'm just sick of it whatever it is i'm sick of it i'm sick of it i'm tired of it and so i was trying to explain this to him and i said when i'm in those moods, i just want to keep driving have y'all ever had that feeling maybe not in the car okay i see not enough the heads that's good so That's where I was, and that's what I shared with him after 12 years. I said that I just feel like I want to keep going. And in those moments, sometimes what I've discovered is looking back, y'all, excuse me, um, I've done some silly things. I've done some silly things when I'm in those moments, like I'll get up and go to Walmart at midnight, now, this is before the pandemic when Walmart stayed open real late. I would just get up. And Keith couldn't understand that. He would be like, what are you go- are that, that's unsafe. I know. You need something? Nope. Just going to get away from people. And I know a lot of people won't be in Walmart at midnight. I don't need nothing. I'm just in there browsing. But I just need a break. I need to get away from the crowd. I don't want to hear anything. I'm just, I just need a mindless activity. Now, for me, it's Walmart. For you, it might be Candy Crush. I don't know what it is. I caught one coworker one time just playing Candy Crush for four hours at work. I'm like, what are you doing? And I had to see beyond it. Oh, okay. There's something on the mind that the mouth has not yet revealed and it's, we just need something to do. Right? So that's where we're at. That's what's going on. And as crazy as it may seem, um, I've done things like that. I've gone to Walmart, um, because wherever I was emotionally and spiritually, I just needed some space. I just needed some space, and I needed to be away from people. Now, here's the thing. When I read this Samaritan woman's story, I kind of get a vibe that she's in that place. Think about it. We just read 30 verses. Hopefully, y'all know it by now. You don't get a vibe that she's kind of like in this little space where she don't really want to be bothered. Now, Pastor Keith, if you're listening in the back room, I'm not doing isogetical teaching, okay? I'm not adding to the word. I'm just using my imagination. I'm just saying from, you know, you're not exegeting a text. It's not in a text. No, it's not in a text, but from one woman to another woman, I'm reading this and something seems a little bit off here. Something seems a little bit off. I mean, first of all, this whole situation is crazy because it's in the middle of the day. It said it was the sixth hour, and women back then, Sam, they didn't go to the well in the middle of the day, they would go in the evening when it was cooler. Also, Brandon, they would go in groups, they would go in groups because it's safer. So, yeah, it's kind of outside the city. So, when we would do this, it was a social thing. It's like if me, Shakita Chloe, Chantel, all of us got together, Shernette, and said, Okay, let's go get our water for the week, y'all, or the day, or whatever, we're gonna go down here together, we're gonna go down and when it's cool in the day. So, here she is in the middle of the day going to get water. It's a little bit outside of the norm. And it's hot. And us as Floridians can identify with heat. You just don't do physical labor like this in the middle of the day. I got to go down. I have to draw this water, lift it in this water pot, put it up on my shoulder, put it on my head and take it back into the village. So this is a little bit silly. This is a little bit silly. This is almost as silly as going to Walmart at midnight. Now, it doesn't say it explicitly, again, Pastor Keith doesn't say it, but I get this feeling that she's having one of those days or at least one of those moments, right? Um, It doesn't mention it, but I feel like... Life has been nibbling away at her. I feel like she just decided, you know what, bumping up the grab this water pot and I'm just going on down there in the middle of the day because I know ain't nobody going to be down there. I don't have to hit a mouth. I don't have to be around them. I ain't got to speak. I ain't got to say, hey, how you doing? I don't know about you, but when I'm in those moments, I don't even like nobody talking to me. Don't even speak. Just leave me alone. God. So I think that's what's going on here. Now, some would argue and say, Serena, you're way off. Maybe she just had an urgent need for water. And I would say, true, but why was she entertaining a stranger for, for so long? I don't know about you, but when I'm in a rush, baby, the last person I'm going to talk to is a stranger. I'm not, the, even when I'm checking out, dude, dude how's your date, ma'am? Just, can you just swipe that and bag it up, please? I got somewhere to be. I don't know about you, but I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to be talking to some strange Jewish man in the middle of the heat, in the heat of the day, talking about some wells and who this belonged to and water that don't make it. I'm not doing none of that. So I don't get that she was there just for an immediate need. I just don't get that. I don't get that. I don't get a sense of urgency. The more I read this, the more I hear a tone in her voice, almost like sarcasm. I think she's in a funk. I think she's having one of those days where she just needs a time out. I think she assumed no one would be there, and that's why she came. And I believe it was her intent to avoid the crowd. I know that. Well, I believe it. I believe it. It doesn't say it. And even if you disagree with me about her intentions, here's the thing. I think we all can agree that she obviously needed more than the water she came fetching right obviously she needed something so much more and we may never know the reason why she was at the well but what we do know is that we can relate to being out of place geographically emotionally and spiritually and in fact I believe what she received from Christ in that moment in her story what she gets from Christ that we'll dig through in a second here is the same remedy that he offers us today when we're in the funk okay He knows the feelings that many of us don't have the words to describe he knows the mindless activities we do just to gain a little relief from life circumstances I believe he gets it I believe he understands that life has a way of just wearing you out sometimes and almost forcing you into the space of not wanting to be bothered I believe that this random story about a woman whose name we do not even know is about something bigger than her just going to get water in the middle of the day I believe that it demonstrates that that Jesus Christ not only knows how to find us, but that he knows how to fill us and he knows how to favor us. Listen for his glory. That's what I believe. And so that's what we're going to examine. I didn't put my scriptures in my manuscript, so I'm going to read them with you. Turn with me, if you will, back, back to John 4. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. Again, I'm reading from the New King James Version jesus said to her go call your husband and come here and the woman answered and said i have no husband jesus said to her you have well said i have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband and that you spoke truly now (laughs) if you read the stories of jesus and just watch how he operated this is so typical of jesus like this little question right here, go get your husband. This is so typical of him. It's like, first, we're talking about wells. And Brandon, we talked about this a little bit in your inspiration. We always have questions. Sometimes we can read the Bible and leave with more questions. First of all, we're talking about wells, who it belongs to. Oh, this Jacob well, and this and that. And then we're talking about, oh, water and the water that won't make you thirsty again. All of a sudden, he just throws in this curveball in the middle of the conversation. This is so typical, Jesus. We're talking about the well you asked her for a drink why are you asking her about her husband but he does this now here's the issue rabbis Jewish rabbis which Jesus was. rabbis is nothing another word for teacher Jewish teachers did not talk to women in public they would not even talk to their wives am I right Pastor Cole it was customary that women um, that these teachers wouldn't speak to women in public so the fact that he's in public talking to this woman talking to a Samaritan woman at that a different race that Jewish didn't even mess with it's all strange he's strange the conversation is strange the circumstances are strange and if all of that isn't strange enough he throws in this strange question go get your husband what (laughs) go get my husband now i'm no bible scholar but first of all you shouldn't be talking to her in public rabbi second of all if you were going to talk to her why didn't you go tell her to get her husband at the very beginning so that you could talk to the husband and not give off the appearance of evil as we like to say right but he doesn't do that he just tells her go get your husband now this is a little strange and crazy but it's interesting because it reveals something about jesus that's the whole point of this message it reveals something about jesus Point number one, if you're taking notes, he knows how to find you. He knows how to find you. Our very f- first point. Now, my goal with this point is not to convince you, Miss Smith, that Jesus has the best GPA system. Or whatever it's called. Not GPA. What is it called? GPS. Clearly, I don't even use them. GPS system. That's not my goal here, Okay. I'm not trying to convince you that, oh, he know how to find you. He know how to show up where you're at. No, we're talking, we're not talking about physical location here. This question that he asked her reveals that he knows how to find us emotionally, Kim, and spiritually. That's what it reveals, and I'm going to show you this. His very presence at the well proves he knows, how to, knows our physical locations. Just just him being at the well proves that he knows how to find us, literally, okay? Remember verse four at the top when we read it, it says "And he needed to go through Samaria. He was leaving somewhere, going somewhere else, and he said, I need to go this way. If then nobody knew that woman was going to be at the well in the middle of the day, Jesus knew. So we're not talking about physical location here. Just him being there already reveals that. He knew she would be there. Um, So him being there on the scene at the well displays his divinity in the fact that he knows how to find us physically, but this question now this proves he knows how to find us emotionally and spiritually go get your husband go get your husband he knows how to touch that situation in life that you don't feel like talking about you ever been in having a conversation with somebody and you ain't bringing up that one thing that one thing, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can sit, the Bible says that the eyes are the windows to the soul. I can sit with somebody and I can realize, we, we don't need to be talking about these bagels. What you got me here for? Yeah. What are we talking about? Right? You can feel it, right? Ms. Smith, you work in a school system. You have kids come up to you and they're talking to you and it's like, it's something else that you want to tell me. And Jesus, and only the way that he can do this, does the same thing to this woman. Go get your husband. We're talking about wells, this Jacob well, this my father, go get your husband. She wasn't trying to bring that up in conversation. Remember, I don't think she was there for an urgent need. She's just having a conversation with a strange Jewish man. And all of a sudden he calls her out and say, I know what's on your mind. The thing that's on your mind that you won't even allow to leave your mouth, go get your husband. Let's talk about why you probably here in the middle of the day getting water." think it's the stuff that we're just trying to intentionally bury through activity. I don't care how many Walmart trips I take. God knows how to call it out. No, I know what's bothering you, that family issue. Yeah, I know why you're working overtime. Little relationship issue you got going on, your little temptation. I know what the struggle is. He knows how to find us. He knows how to find us and he knows how to take whatever it is we're going through and bring it right to the surface. Go get your husband. What? Go get your husband. They weren't even talking about her personal life. But in the way that only Jesus Christ is skilled at doing, he asked a simple question to demonstrate not only to her but to you and I, his ability to find us emotionally and spiritually. I don't care how much you disconnect. I don't care about how much you disassociate with people. God can discern and he can detect exactly where you are. I don't know about you, but that's comforting for me to know that because what others can't quite get, Jesus does. When I came home to tell Keith, sometimes I feel like going, he laughed, he ain't get it. And it it was a little hurtful because I thought I was being honest and open and I wanted him to get it because I sleep with him I lay with him I'm married to him so you don't get what I'm saying no he doesn't but Jesus does Jesus does go get your husband is what he told us now I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in that feeling, in that season of not wanting to be bothered by friends, family members, even the church, go on no lunch dates, I don't want no text messages, I don't want no Facebook inboxes, I don't want none of that. I don't know about you, but I don't even want, this might sound rude, I don't even want them little Bible texts with the little verses, you know, how they, people like to send you texts with trying to encourage you with the little Bible, I don't want none of that, I don't want any of that. I'm trying, when I'm trying to avoid the crowd, I'm intentional about that. I see See that little preview on that text and just keep swiping. I don't want to be bothered. But God knows how to find us. Even when we're trying to avoid the crowd, we cannot avoid the Christ. We cannot avoid the Christ. What we discover in these verses about Jesus and him asking her this question is that he knows how to find us. He knows our spiritual location. Now, here's the thing. The temptation that the enemy loves to pitch is no one understands me. No one gets me, nobody don't understand you. Like you ain't really been in my life, you don't know my past, you don't know what I've been through. That used to be my excuse for so many years and the Lord had to tell me be quiet because I know how to find you, I do understand you. And here's the thing, I'm gonna free somebody with this. Everybody ain't supposed to understand you. They're not going to understand you. That's too much pressure to put on people. They, they are not Jesus. They're not going to understand you. And what I needed to know and be reminded of, even when I decided to confide in Keith, was that he don't understand. Might be the pastor, might be smart, might have five degrees, but he can't understand. Only God knows how to detect and understand what you're going through. He knows how to find us. My God, that's comforting. That's comforting. Listen to this. Hebrews 4 and 13a says nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. Proverbs 5 and 21 says for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and the Lord examines all his past. And I think the psalmist said it best in 139 and 4. He says even before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, O Lord. Ain't nobody understand me. I'm just going through some stuff. I just, God does. Even before a word is on your tongue, he knows all about it. Before it leaves your mouth, he knows all about it. He knows how to find you. Let's go to verse 25. Pastor Cole ain't put the clock out, so if I go over time, oh, well. Blaming him. Verse 25, and we're going to look verses 25 through 29. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he would tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or what are you talking with her? Why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? You know, it's a sweet truth to know that Jesus knows how to find us. That's cute. But I think what I love the most is that he knows how to fill us. He knows how to fill us others can support us yes encourage us sure pray for us of course but they cannot give us what we need no no man on this planet can do that no pastor no parent no one but Jesus and Jesus alone can fill us if you're taking notes that's our second point Jesus knows how to fill us why because he is the Messiah which can be translated as the anointed one the only one truly anointed to fill us with what we need to navigate through the issues of life is is Jesus the Messiah and actually it's in him telling her in these verses that we read that Jesus Christ reveals his ability to fill us he demonstrates to this woman I know your spiritual and emotional address and so I know how to find you but I'm not solely a prophet I am the Messiah I am the Messiah I who speak to you am he and this is such a a big deal y'all this is such a big deal because him telling her that he is the Messiah is him being intentional about letting her know that he is the very source in the living water that she really needed and I believe that tr- the same is true for us today I do. I really do. There is nothing that you and I are experiencing, absolutely nothing that he does not fully understand. No struggle, no headaches, no disappointment, no confusion, no temptation, no defeat. He not only knows all about that, but he wants us to know that he is the source in the living water that is needed to get us through all of that. I who speak to you am he. Such a powerful verse. It's such. Someone can teach, not me, but someone can teach from that verse alone. Let me tell you why this is such a huge line, and maybe you'll understand. Up until this point in Scripture, Jesus never says with his own mouth, it's not recorded that he is the Messiah. Never says it up until this point. And I, that just That's mind-blowing to me. Up until this point, he does not say it. Now, he does not deny it. And he confirms it but up until john 4 jesus never says i am the messiah we have i believe in john chapter 1 verse 29 we see his cousin john the baptist on the scene right he's baptizing people he's in the wilderness he's saying all kind of crazy things then all of a sudden jesus starts walking towards him and he says behold the lamb of god to take away the sins of the world so he's declaring that that's the messiah but he's not jesus doesn't deny it he just doesn't say anything at least it's not recorded in scripture Then we jump over to Matthew 16 and 17, and we see the disciples confirming who he is. It's a very famous question that Jesus asks. You remember this. He says, well, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, oh, you're the son of man. You're the son of God. You're the son of the one and true and living God. He declares it quickly. Peter says this, and Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. Jesus still, excuse me, confirming it, But not being recorded as saying, I am the Messiah. Then if his cousin and the disciples wasn't enough, if we go to Mark 3 and 11, we see unclean spirits, demons. It's a nice way of saying demons. It said that when he would walk by, that the unclean spirits would fall to the ground and cry aloud, this is the son of God. So everybody is saying this is the Messiah, this is the son of God, this is the one who came to take away the sins of the world. But it's not until John 4 right here written and read, that Jesus say, I who speak to you am he. Isn't this crazy that he chooses a Samaritan woman who he shouldn't be talking to in the middle of the day, in the craziest of circumstances, to reveal the fact that he is the Messiah? I love this about God. This demonstrates so much. Like I said, somebody else is going to have to teach this, but this says so much about him. This speaks of his humility, humility. It speaks of his tenderness towards women that he would reveal this and say it with his own mouth. I don't know about you, but it's one thing for somebody to tell me about Jesus, but it's a whole nother thing for me to encounter him on my own. You can tell me all you want. I used to have a great grandmother that used to literally scare, scare hell into you. She would, she would try to get you to be saved over and over again. And she would tell us consistently, but it wasn't, and I'm grateful for that, but it wasn't until I encountered Jesus Christ myself that it became something so much bigger. I who speak to you am he. If you find yourself in a place where life is kind of nibbling away at you, you don't feel your best, you feel disconnected, you feel disengaged, that place that you can't really find words to describe how you feel or where you are, when you're in that place, please know this, that Christ in his own way will reveal himself to you. I who speak to you am he. He'll reveal himself. I love this. These are moments where you really don't get off on your exit and keep driving straight or decide to make a detour and go to another store. And then Jesus starts to remind you of who he is. He doesn't need to give us a four-page detailed report. I, I... I won't say I hate this because I understand when people used to do this sometimes they're going through something and they'll just say I just wish God would just tell me the answer like if he could just tell me do I get the surgery or do I not get the surgery do I pursue the job do I stay in this job like I just I just wish he could tell me the answer and Jesus says no I'm gonna give you myself I'm just gonna reveal myself to you all over again I'm gonna tell you you need to receive my peace you need to receive my joy you need to receive my love and you were like no I don't like could you be more practical like, do you want me to show up to work tomorrow or do you want me to get him this two weeks notice because I'm prepared? And Jesus is like, no, I'm just going to reveal myself to you over and over. And when I give you of myself, that'll be enough. And you'll know what you need to do. I who speak to you am he. Such a powerful line that he says to her. When Christ finds us, he fills us. And once he fills us, I believe this, that just like the Samaritan woman, whatever we came carrying, we're going to end up leaving it behind. When he finds where you're at emotionally and spiritually, he'll fill you with himself. And anything that you had carrying in your hands when you met him or when you encountered him, it won't matter anymore. Look at verse 28. What does it say? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city. Left the water pot? Ain't that's what you came to get, right, mister? <laughs> Did you come from water? Now, you know, when Pastor Keith liked to judge me, thank you, Chloe, for the clock. I must be talking too long. When Pastor Keith came, <laughs> when he gets on my case about being isogetical in my teaching and not exegetical or whatever it's called, I have a point to prove right here. I don't think she came for that. I think she needed something more. I don't think she came for it. Because if she did, it just makes sense she wouldn't leave the water pot behind me. How else could she have carried the water? I don't think she came for that. I think she needed something more, and I believe that we also need something more. When we're feeling like that, we need something more. And that more is Jesus. We don't need a break from the mess of life. That's the temptation. That's the temp- I'm not saying don't take vacations and do self-care and rest. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you like to check out emotionally and spiritually from everyone, we don't need that. When you have that kind of mess going on in your life, you need a Messiah. You need a, you need a Messiah. I who speak to you am he. That's what we need. We need an encounter with the Messiah. John seven thirty eight says this, and I told you earlier that when Christ fills you of himself, it's like him giving you living water. He says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. When Christ fills you, it will flow up out of you. It will just begin to flow up out of you. I love that. Let's look at the very last few verses. He knows how to find me and he knows how to fill me. Let's look at verses 39 through 41. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. Let me give you a quick backdrop because we keep calling. We don't know this lady's name. So we keep calling her the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman. Here's the thing with Samaritans before we just nosedive into this last point. Samaritans were full-blooded Jews at one point. At one point, they resided in the northern um, kingdom of Israel. So you had the northern, you had the southern kingdom of Israel. So they revi- resided in the northern kingdom. The Assyrian army, around 700 BC, decided that they were gonna capture these Jews in the northern kingdom, um, and they seceded, okay? When they captured them, and had them in this certain land as captives, One of the Assyrian kings was like, oh, they're not really prospering. I'm going to bring some of my people over and let's see if we can get them to prosper. And still, when they weren't prospering as he wanted to, he decided, weird story, read it in 2 Kings, I believe, the 17th chapter. He decided that he would get an Israelite priest, speak to the people and teach them about God so that they could prosper. That says so much about who he believed God to be. But anyway, he does this. And so the priest comes and he begins to teach these people, which are basically, uh, full blooded Jews with Assyrians and he begins to teach them about the ways of Jehovah. Now here's the problem. They also intermixed with that religion, paganism. Okay. Because Assyrians, they were they, they worshiped other gods. And so they took, okay, we're going to take their Jewish God, mix it in with who we believe and just put it all together. Also, what ended up happening is those captives in those land, in that land, began to intermarry. All right, we got to keep producing, we got to keep things going, so they began to intermarry. So now they're half breeze okay? But they're visibly half breeds, like you can look at them, just like you know, someone could look at a person who's mixed, biracial. So they're half-breeds, right? Not only are they half-breeds racially, but they're half-breeds religiously because they believe in God, but some other stuff. You ever met somebody who like, oh, no, I believe, yeah, I'll go to church, but then they also do, what's that stuff called? Chloe, little smoke stuff and and incense. I'm like, no, that's not really how it works. You got to pick one or the other. So this is kind of the Samaritans, right? Racially, they're mixed. So they're half Jewish, half Assyrian, and then also religiously. They are kind of, it's a little convoluted, right? And so when we say that she was a Samaritan, that tells you all it needs to tell you about who she is. That's, what, that's her upbringing. That's what she was raised in. So just how your kids go to church and they do all of that, the, she was raised up more than likely believing in, yes, there's a God and Jesus is coming. But we also have these other gods that we also um, worship. And so that, that's really critical for understanding this. What we see, um, now here's the thing, real quick, I forgot to say this. Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. Mainly, it was the Jews didn't like the Samaritans' prejudice. Most of us in here are colored folk. We understand that, right? Except for Andre. I'm picking on him. He's <laughs> color. Most of us are here color. So we understand, basically. I didn't, I get the religious part, but racially the Jews basically did not like them. Okay. And so that was very evident. We even see that. I don't know if you guys remember when we were reading in verse nine, he says how she said to him, when he asked her for something to drink, all he did was ask her for something to drink. And so she says, how is it that you being a Jew asked me for a drink? Samaritans have no dealings with Jews or Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So this hostility between the two races was very evident. Okay. This wasn't a secret, just a little bit of history. Now with all of that, I just told you, I think it's safe to say that this woman was an outcast she was outcast we know what that's like as black people right we're kind of seen as less than so she was viewed as less than then here's the thing we also know a little bit about her personal life we know she had been with a number of men none of which she married which in our culture it could be somewhat shameful but in that culture it's extremely shameful and so we know about her personal life so to me we kind of have a woman who's like an outcast among outcasts it's like you already outcast, but amongst the outcasts, they don't even like you. So that's a problem. Like That's a big problem. But here's what I love about this. Despite all of that, Jesus found her. He filled her. Point number three, he favored her. He favored her and how you may ask because he used her for his glory. He took an outcast among outcasts, somebody who believed in Jesus, but kind of believed in some other stuff too. somebody that's Jewish, but then also a Syrian. And then he used this woman who had done slept with six different men and ultimately turned her into an evangelist. I know a lot of teaching, y'all. Y'all know I like teaching, so I don't want to bore y'all with that. But please don't miss the significance of that. What does that say to me and you? Does not matter my family history. Doesn't matter what I'm mixed with, what I'm not mixed with don't matter who I slept with, don't matter what circumstances Jesus found me in. She went at the altar crying out to Jesus, dressed nice. She just was down there trying to avoid people at a well, doing something that she probably just wasn't even paying attention that she was doing, minding her own business. And Jesus came and then he used her to go back into a city. Funny how he used her to go back to people, which I believe she was trying to avoid, to speak of who he is. He favored her like that. And I don't know if you read that, in the scripture when we just read it it said and many believed because of her word many believe I don't know about you but if they had to tell me Jesus was gonna reveal himself to a Samaritan woman she probably wouldn't have been the one I would have picked. I'm just being honest right like we don't want to judge her or nothing I'm just being funny y'all ever did that to somebody like they come up and they say oh I just feel like I got a call on my life and I'm like oh okay and you like know their history. That's wrong to do, but we do that, right? We as people, we judge by what we know of your past and your history, and then we write people off. But here is Jesus demonstrating that only he can, in a way that only he can, that I don't really care about that. When I find you, and when I feel you with myself, I'll favor you, and people will listen. And it said, many believe Many believe this woman went back into a city that she was probably an outcast from and God still favored her. I love that about him. What a sweet savior we serve. Listen, here's what we have to do. We have to trust in Christ's ability to find us. Then we have to believe in his authority to fill us. And finally, we'll experience his admiration to favor us. You don't skip that. You don't skip around, okay? You're not found by Jesus not be filled and to decide, I want to go declare Jesus. No, he needs to fill you with something. Okay. We don't need to wake up out of the bed and then all of a sudden just decide with somebody that's not our husband. Oh, I want to preach. Well, that's fine, but you might need to be filled first. Okay. Oh, I just want to go serve and do something in church. Well, you got to get filled, honey. You got to get filled with Jesus and Jesus alone. Does not mean he's not writing you off. But we have to trust that he knows how to find us emotionally and spiritual. He knows exactly where we're at. We, we, he knows the stuff that we won't even confide to Pastor Keith and counseling. So he finds us, he fills us with himself, and then he favors us. And then I'm all over the place with my notes. Here's what I know about life, and then I'm going to close. Here's what I know. Frankly speaking, life has a way of kicking our butt. It forces us to retreat and disconnect at times. And what I love about this story of this woman at the well, who we don't even know her name, is that it demonstrates so much about the person of Jesus Christ. It demonstrates that it doesn't matter where we are in life. It doesn't matter who doesn't understand us. It doesn't matter where we come from he can locate us without us ever saying a word and then he's capable if we trust him and believe him of dealing with that which he finds on the inside of us and he'll fill us with himself the only thing we have to do is believe that we have to believe that he is who he says he is only the Messiah can fix some mess only the Messiah can fix some mess all we have to do is believe and be open and he will fill us with living water he is the true and only solution to the circumstances of life okay and then lastly he will favor us but get this not for his glo- not for our glory but for his he didn't find her call her out fill her up for her to go back and be like ah the messiah came to me like doing ratchet stuff like what <laughs> she didn't go back doing it okay <laughs> That's how we get, though. It might not be as ratchet, but that's how we get, right? God start to do something in your life. You start feeling a little better, like, yeah, I'm a blessed and highly favored, doing better than you. And it's like, okay, girl, you got the little car and the little house. Sit down somewhere. She didn't do that. God doesn't do that for us, for our glory. He does it for his glory. And I know that's comical, but it's so true. Whatever God does in your life, whatever he finds in your life and fills you up with himself, he's doing it for his namesake. sake. Okay? nothing else, nothing else. I tell this testimony often and I'll continue to tell it. Um, In elementary I was molested not only by a cousin but also by an uncle, Um, had very bad issues with men, partly blamed it on that. Um, As I got older, still didn't take accountability, treated men like dogs, treated them like basically how a lot of men treat women. Pretty much frankly speaking really did didn't give any second thought to how I talked to him still have to fight through that a lot Um, became very disconnected would not be vulnerable with anyone would not be open would not be closed and because of my comical personality a lot of people thought they were close to me but I was harboring a lot of things that I did not share operated in a lot of shame had a lot of issues going on in my life daddy issues mama issues all kind of stuff going on but Christ when he filled me, found me, and only the way that he can and filled me, I realized that he favored me for his namesake. That's why I get up here and I give God honor. I give him praise. I don't care how stupid I look, Sam. I don't care how much I sing off key. I'm doing it for his namesake because I know I shouldn't be up here. I know there's some stuff that my cousins did that I did, and I just didn't get called. So my reputation appeared to be a little bit better than other people, but you don't know how filthy, my mouth has this microphone, but you don't know the filth that's come out of my mouth. And so I do it because I understand that he's favored me and not to make me brag or braggadocious in any kind of way, but because of his namesake, I believe the Psalmist penned it best. He said in Psalms 23 and three, he restores my soul. And he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He restores your soul, then leads you, not where you want to go, to the big house and what you're trying to acquire for you and your kids, but down paths of righteousness for his namesake. I heard Matt Chandler, and I'm going to close. I heard Matt Chandler say this. God is for God. He preached his sermon at a conference, and people got so upset with him, mainly because of the venue where he preached it. They didn't want to hear it. They wanted to hear something where people shout and tell you're going to be blessed. It was a ministry very well known for that. But Matt Chandler preached a message, and if I had to sum it up, he said, God is for God. When God finds you emotionally and calls you out, go get your husband. He's not doing that to put her on blast. He's doing it because he's trying to get her to a point where he fills her, then favors her for his namesake. The Bible says that many believed. Many believed because of her word. Many believed. If many are going to benefit from our story, then we got to trust Him to find us. We got to believe him. Believe that he will fill us. And then sit back and watch how he'll favor us. Amen? Let's stand. I pray you got something out of this. Even if all you got is that Serena don't eat chicken with the bones And it, I pray you got something out of it. We serve such a sweet Savior. Life has a way of kicking us punching on us and just making us feel like crap. It makes you want to disconnect. Sometimes it makes you want to drive. It makes you want to keep going. It makes you not want to answer the phone. It makes you want to disconnect from the church. But that's not God's desire. Nobody may understand you. They may never get the stuff that you ponder on your mind at night as you go about your day but but Jesus understands. He knows how to find you. And then when you feel like nothing like I don't have anything to give I don't know what you want me to do I understand that you found me I appreciate you understanding me God but I don't know what to do then he will fill you with himself he'll reveal himself to you all over again because see we know the resurrection has happened so it might seem silly to you hearing that scripture I who speak to you in him because we know him to be the Messiah but sometimes we need the reminder he's still the Messiah he is who he says he is oh God he's the I am and when we've encountered the I am he will favor us and use us for his glory not just her story but our stories can be used for his glory Father we come to you knowing that apart from you we can do nothing We come to you, oh God, with an understanding that sometimes, despite what you've taught us, despite what you've endowed us with, life gets the best of us. And we get lost emotionally and spiritually. And So, Father, I pray for the one that's listening right now. That feels like no one understands, no one gets it, no one can really comprehend they don't even have the words on their mouth to describe what's on their mind I pray that you would find them I pray that they would trust that they can be found even as we declared in Hebrews that your eyes are always on the earth that you know the ways of man and then for the one Oh God who knows that they can be found by you but they're struggling right now with decisions. With relationships with circumstances I pray that you would fill them with yourself not a solution but a savior let them know that you are the Messiah you are the anointed one you are the king of kings you are the Lord of Lords and you are who you say you are and you have not changed And then, Father, I pray for the one who may have been found and filled, but is still hesitant to move forward in favor. Let them know, O oh God, that it has nothing to do with them, but you favor us for your glory. You're the king at taking a story and using it for your glory. So may they move forward in boldness and confidence knowing that you have touched them and that you are with them. We love you and I thank you for this word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Here's the problem. I know I did a lot of teaching, but None of that means anything if you have no idea about salvation. If you've heard of Jesus but you're not really sure about what it means to give your life to Christ. Really all it means is that you have reached a point in life that you have come to terms with understanding that I can't do this by myself requires something bigger requires something bigger i can't do this by myself and then you believe in your heart that jesus is lord and that something bigger is jesus if you do not know jesus as your savior when i was saying the words i who speak to you am am he if that means nothing to you then i want to encourage you that he always stands waiting and available to be your savior he's still meeting us In the most strangest of circumstances, he met this woman who believed in Jesus but believed in other gods. He came and revealed himself to her. You're no different. The Bible says that he's no respecter of persons. What he'll do for one, he'll do for another. So even if you don't feel like you fit the bill to be a Christian, as long as you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, And that you're in need of a savior. He'll come in and save you. Don't worry about church attendance. Don't worry about what you need to wear. How you're supposed to act. How many scriptures you should know. He'll lead and guide you down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He'll show you the way to go. All you need to do is trust and believe. So I want to pray for you. If you've never done that. If you never opened your mouth. Declared with your heart that I believe that Jesus is Lord. I want to say a simple prayer father for the one that does not know you spiritually right now i pray for them god i pray for them i pray that they will begin to trust you and believe you as lord and savior over their lives and father i also pray oh god for a hedge of protection around them around their minds and around their bodies oh god that no demonic influence or force will come and try to uproot what you, you shall begin to plant on the inside of them. I pray, oh God, that you would connect them to a Bible-believing and teaching and living out church. One that doesn't simply teach the word, but one that lives the word. I pray, oh God, that you would begin to put around the men and women of God who could disciple them Encourage them, pray for them, support them. In Jesus' name. All you have to do is say these simple words if you're the one receiving salvation, that I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and I receive that He is my Savior. That's it. And you are saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, secondly, If you're tuned in, (laughs) I might get in trouble for saying this, but this is the generation where we like to troll, jump on people's lives and see what's going on. But if you do not have a church that you're connected to, I might be biased, but I believe that this is a good church. I believe that this is a good church. I believe That the pastor that God has called the pastor to plant this church. I don't believe that Pastor Keith called himself. He was called by God, and I know that he works earnestly to ensure that he's shepherding people. That we're just not gathering bodies and doing church stuff. We're really trying to live this thing out. I told Keith a while ago when he felt, well, when he had believed and felt like God had called him. He was he was still battling the call of god on his life for a short period of time i remember telling god if we're going to do this we're going to do it all the way because if not this is just too much work i'm not going to get up here and fake i'm not going to get up here and be something that i'm not we're going to do this wholeheartedly we're going to do it exactly as the bible says if it says forgive as much as i don't like you i'm going to forgive you if it says turn from sin as much as i want to keep doing it i'm gonna turn from sin if it says love and encourage, as tired as I may be, as busy as I may be, I'm still going to do it. So if you're not connected to a church that's teaching the word but also living it, then I want to invite you that this is a church family that will embrace you. And you can connect with us. If you feel God leading you to connect with this local body, then you can do so. Our vision is very simple. is to carry out the great mission on a local context. That's all we're here to do. And so if you would like to join our church, I want to invite you to do that and also send us a message so we know you're connected, okay? Send us a message at at churchofficeatwaytampabay.org and someone from the church will reach out to you. Listen, thank you so much for listening to my little Sunday school message. I'm going to bring up Pastor Keith now, but I really do pray that something was said or done. Is it Pastor Cole? Yeah, he's right there. I'm going to bring up Pastor Cole and he's going to give you some announcements and go through a few other items. Thank you so much. God bless.
2: Praise the Lord, everybody. Hopefully you're still tuned in. Um, If you were listening at all, I know you didn't turn that off. Um, even uh, Minister Serena, I know you're leaving out the room, but let us pray for you. Don't leave yet. You know, you know, I'm still old school. Uh, for those that are in the sanctuary, go ahead and reach t- towards her so that she may only uh, acknowledge the physical representation of praying for her. And everybody that's in uh, the viewing audience, even right now, can you just say a word of prayer? Just refueling her. God, I know you were with her. That's not a question right now. But I thank you for everything that she has poured out on today. She left it all up here. Even the time where you had to come meet her in that peculiar place at a peculiar time, God. We thank you that it wasn't just his story and Pastor Keith Babb, but it was her story, too, that brought us to the moment where we are right now, knowing you, God. Knowing that you can feel every void in our life even the things we don't want to talk about even the things we don't even know how to verbalize we thank you for meeting us in that place and once again being the Messiah and giving us that living water we thank you right now God refill it with that water God refill it with that power God give protection to our family God God you know every desire of her heart God cause you placed it there Sure your perfect will on how to get there. And we thank you for everything that she poured out on today. In Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you once again. Man, if, if you're not tuned in, if you're not connected with this church, this this is just part of the family. I I, I can't wait to see the day that you know the, their kids try to refuse the ministry too, but something pours out of them because there's something that God has placed in their bloodline, and I thank God for it even on today. I'm just up here to give you a couple of quick announcements um, before we get to the giving part. We're still in March. This is Women's Month. How many people are glad we're in Women's Month? Um, we thank God for Lady Serena Babb on this morning at 10.30 a.m., and she, she's sharing her story for, for his glory, and I believe this message definitely showed that on today. This series will continue to examine how God uses the lives of of many of many times obscure, overlooked and even overwhelmed women to transform not only their lives but the lives of others for his glory. And the reason why this is huge cuz they don't talk about women a whole lot in the word. It was not built like that, but you want to pay attention when he does bring up a woman in the Bible. All right, and also come to worship with us again on next Wednesday, on next Sunday at 10:30 a.m. Uh worship with the way we still doing in person. Registration. We opened it up again. Go ahead and go to our website. We've also placed the link in Facebook. So we want you to register, but you can come in service. There is a cap on that, and you'll realize that when you do register. But what's coming up also, we are in resurrection season. Palm Sunday is coming up, and Resurrection Sunday is coming up for 2021. It is not canceled. We are planning something big for Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, also known as Easter. So please save the dates of March 28th and also Sunday, April 4th at 10 30 a.m we are taking time to worship in the park both sundays sunday it will be in Rolette park shelter 218 218 218 for worship service please bring your mask and your tents. if you got a pop-up tent um your umbrella bring your family and worship with us we're going to be outside that's one way we can bring it back together again and safely uh full details will be sent out in the week at the way. And also knowing that we're doing that, we're going to make it really big. We want to make sure the community is able to come out. Everybody has a place to worship in this area. We need volunteers. Don't skip on, a, on that day. We need volunteers for outside when we worship outside. We need greeters. We need servers. We need parking lot attendants. Uh, if you would like to serve with us on that day on Palm Sunday or on Easter Sunday or maybe you want to do both, please send us a message on Facebook or email us at churchofficewaytampabay bay.org as soon as possible so we can know that you're interested in serving with us on today and before we log off we want to always give you a way to give at the way we praise god that we have not lacked one day since the pandemic began more importantly before the pandemic began since the church started there hasn't been lack. There wasn't one month that the, the lights went off. There wasn't one day that we weren't able to feed somebody that was hungry. We thank God we've helped people pay their rent and mortgages because of your giving. Because of your giving. Not The government didn't give us to stay stay open. It wasn't a stimulus package. It was your giving that kept us open. So we thank God for you. So here at The Way, we go according to uh, 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who is cheerful in their giving. And so this is what we want you to do. Prepare your heart, prepare your mind, and now you're preparing whatever it is to give. Whether it be the tithe on today or whether it be an offering. This is the way you can give. If you're in person, you can easily fill out an offering envelope and place it in a basket. If you're on our website and you want to go there, you can give through PayPal. It's secure at waytampabay.org. If you like cash up, and I know a lot of you guys do, you can go ahead and go to our cash app, dollar sign, The Way Church of TB. I'll say it again, dollar sign, The Way Church of TB, and you can give that way. And last but not least, if you want to give it via mail, you can go ahead and mail it off to P.O. Box 280003, Tampa, Florida. Three three six eight two, and we thank you. Pastor Keith is coming up for a final message, but we thank God for everything that was done on today. We thank God that you're still tuning in, and so we have Pastor Keith right now.
0: Good morning, everybody. Can we just stand to our feet? I'ma Benedict us. Hey, I wanted to come quickly because you know church folk like the gossip, right? Church folk like the gossip. Somebody say amen. amen. They do. Church folk like to gossip. So whenever the senior pastor isn't standing many times in the midst of a pandemic, they're going to say, oh, Pastor Keith got COVID. Pastor Keith does not have COVID, y'all. You know. So I'm still doing well. So I want you all to know I don't have COVID, but I will be sitting down for the next few Sundays. I just want the Lord to minister to me so that I can have a word for Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday. So here's the other thing. I want to see your faces on Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday. I know we've done every other thing other than coming to church in this season. And on that, like I don't know, it's not that I'm prophetic, but I'm on social media. So I see all that we're doing, we're hanging out, we're, we're doing everything that we wanna do, but let's not neglect the house of the Lord. I believe there's power in the fellowship in the gathering of believers. So I want us to gather strong. I'm thankful for those who've came in the sanctuary this morning, but continue to register. But if you don't feel safe inside an in enclosed atmosphere, please make plans to join us for Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday and I just want to benedict us but those are my two things, Pastor Keith don't have COVID and I need to see y'all face okay, so make plans ask the Lord to prepare your hearts even now to come back to church I think it's time for us to regather and I believe the Lord has something to say to us and it's only going to take place in the congregation as we congregate as believers so let's go to God in prayer Father we thank you We thank you, God, that you use our stories for your glory. Matter of fact, God, we're not even worthy of being used, God, but yet you use us. So, God, for that, God, we say thank you. Thank you, God, for this woman at the well that you chose to speak to her, God, even when rituals and laws said not to. God, we can relate to that. God, even when many uh, considered us outcasts, even when we didn't consider ourselves worthy, God, you spoke to us. And for that, God, we say thank you. I thank you, God, for Minister Serena. Thank you, God, for her labor and her love. Thank you, God, for her sacrifice in the word. God, I pray, God, that this word did not fall on deaf ears. But, God, that it was planted and rooted in the lives of your people. Now, God, allow it to produce a harvest a hundredfold in our lives. God, we'll use our stores, God, for your glory. Thank you, God, that you can find us thank you, God, that you can fill us. And God, we thank you, God, that you favor us. And for that, God, every believer that believes that you're going to use our story for your glory said, thank God. And amen. Amen. I'm confident that you didn't stumble upon this podcast by accident because God is sovereign. And whenever our sovereign God sends us a message for a reason, he wants us to respond. My prayer is that you respond by allowing the word to be planted in you so that it produces God's will for your life. Until next time, strive to not simply come to church, but to become the church.